E-S-N-Y. Addicts Anonymous Podcast, an Elite Sports NY radio production with your hosts Jeff Campbell and Chip Murphy. The last time we were on the pod, it was a holiday edition. We talked a little Giannis, we talked a little OKC. Um, A lot has happened in the NBA since then. Just today, we have Anthony Davis turning down um, an extension to get some more money in the summer. Uh, we have the Nets in a free fall. We have the Knicks playing a little bit better with a new coach. But we're going to put the snooze button on all of that today because we have a great, awesome guest, uh, Elite Sports NY's own Danny Small, who I, I affectionately call your favorite writer's favorite writer. Um, <laughs> Danny, man, thrilled to have you on the pod. How's it going? It's good, good. I appreciate that. <clears throat> I know... Uh... You got you guys obviously know I'm a big Michael Beasley fan, so that uh, favorite writer's favorite writer. You know, you know that uh, that hits a soft spot for me. Of course, of course. Um, so we obviously wanted to have Danny on the pod for sure. Um, covers the the Knicks for Elite Sports NY. Uh, does a ton of writing, a lot of play by play stuff. Uh, but really, I wanted to start off with just early high school, college years. So, you know, I did a, tried to do a little bit of background research just to see what I could find about you. So I know that you grew up in Suffern, Rockland County. I was a Westchester kid myself, so I know Rockland, you know, fairly well for the most part. Um, sounds like you were a three-sport athlete, baseball, basketball, soccer. Um, what was your favorite sport to play and why? I was, oh, I was always a basketball guy. I think, like, when I was really young, I was baseball, but as I got older, like I actually, I ended up giving up baseball in high school one, cause I wasn't that good at baseball. I was like, you know, I was just all right. Um, but two, I just, you know, I wanted to play basketball basically as often as I can, as I could, but I was always, I always was kind of of the, um, like the, the belief that you should play a couple different sports. And I, I obviously, I would have gotten burned out if I played only basketball all year round. So I just, I kept soccer kind of in it just to kind of, you know, keep me doing something else. It was a good way to stay in shape and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I've always been a basketball guy at heart. Um, I mean, that's why, you know, I've gravitated towards writing about the NBA and, you know, I've, I've always been, um, bigger into that. And actually, you know, back when I was in high school and college, I was more into college basketball. That was kind of my thing. Um, you're a big, Flo- I, you like you know, Florida, I, you're a big Florida guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I like, I was a huge Billy Donovan fan as a kid. So like growing up, like Florida had some of those great teams, you know, I was in, I wanted, I think I was in high school for those, those like early high school for those like Noah Horford teams. So I was huge into them, you know, not as much NBA, but then, at, you know, as I started writing, you know, I got an opportunity at Elite to write about the Knicks. You know, everything kind of just fell into place. Um, so I don't get to watch a ton of college anymore other than, you know, some local stuff. But, yeah, I've you know, even since, you know, basically I hit like middle school, I was basketball number one, you know, and everything else, you know, way behind it, it felt like. Okay. Um, listen, I know Suffern and I, I 
definitely correct me on the class if I'm wrong, but they've got to be a pretty big school. I, I'd say, you know, A or double A or something like that. Yeah, we're, we're double A. Um, I think they've gotten a little smaller since I graduated. I was 2011. Um, and we were about 1600 kids at that point. So, you know, when I was playing basketball in high school, you know, it's tough because we had 1600 kids. We're a big school, but then, you know, we're going against teams like Poughkeepsie and Mount Vernon and, you know, some of the, you know, some of these like powerhouse teams in section one, um, that was, it was, you know, tough for us. But, um, but, you know, when I was in high school, we were a decent little team, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, but, uh, you know, we, we played hard. We, we gave it some, you know, gave some of those Westchester teams some pretty good games back in the day. Not bad, not bad. And what uh, what position were you? Uh, I was, I mean, I was pretty much point guard my whole life. Uh, but one of the kids who I grew up with, you know, been playing with since you know we were in sixth grade, he was a point guard too. So I kind of, as I got older, transitioned to more of an off ball guard. So I would be doing, you know, kind of like. I mean, I, I hate like comparing myself to like the NBA because it feels like I'm, I'm like a. You got to you know, do it. Potatoes. You got to do it. Listen, yeah, in, in my mind, potatoes. I'm a I'm a mix of uh, Allen Iverson and Joaquin Noah. So, or at least personality wise. <laughs> okay. So I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I always I always say we were kind of because we were both short. We were both like five eight, five nine. Like we were listed five eleven on the on the uh, the program, but we were definitely not both five eleven. So we we had like two these little like kind of short guards. I played more off ball, but I always say like it's kind of like in the NBA today when you see you know like how you know the the uh, OKC Thunder they use a lot of like you know Chris Paul, then they'll have Schroeder or you know Shea Gilgis Alexander. These kind of like it's almost like you can't have enough ball handlers on the floor which was kind of what we did because we had two small guards but then we also had good guys inside so we played you know pretty much inside out um one of my buddies in high school he finished 21 points shy of a thousand wow so our you know our game plan pretty much you know my junior and senior year was get the ball inside and you know let him go to work yeah um so after after suffering obviously correct me if i'm wrong but you had to SUNY Oneonta for for obviously undergrad. Um, was there ever any experience? Well, first off, did you play any sports there, whether it's intramural or at the college level? But was there any experience, whether it's via uh, internship or maybe working with some of the sports teams in some capacity, that kind of like ignited your passion for sports writing? Well, I actually, yeah, I I didn't play sports at Oneonta. I mean, I halfway thought about joining the basketball team but I mean I I don't I didn't I wasn't that into it by then I I had a good high school career I was kind of like ready to you know kind of live my life a little bit so I just did the intramural thing up there Um, but I actually I went to school for education so and basically the reason why I wanted to be a teacher was just because I wanted to be a basketball coach like there was almost you know, no other reasoning behind it. I mean, I liked social studies and all that stuff. Like I was interested in it, but it was like, you know, I wanted to be a basketball coach, um, graduated from Oneonta. I did some coaching at my old high school, you know, here and there helping out in summers, things like that. So I always knew, you know, I wanted to be around basketball in some capacity, but, you know, as I was doing the teaching thing at a school, I just, you know, I realized fairly quickly, it wasn't for me. Um, I just, I, being in the classroom all day, like it just wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't cut out for it. Um, so I had to kind of pivot away and I actually, I 
worked for a family friend's company. I was making deliveries. I was a dispatcher for a trucking service. So, you know, I was doing all these like different kind of things that I'd never expected. Um, You know, driving 16 foot trucks through Times Square, you know, all the time. So I was kind of like all over the place. Um, And while I was doing that, I was like thinking, you know, I want, I I don't want to make this my career, you know, driving a truck. So I was kind of thinking, what should I do? What should I do? And that's when I got the idea to start doing some freelance writing, you know, trying to see what that kind of, uh, that industry is all about. And I wasn't even thinking sports in the beginning. I was doing content marketing stuff when I first started. Um, but then I got an opportunity to contribute for elite sports and why did that for a little bit, kind of, you know, got some confidence writing, um, you know, built that up. I think actually the first year I was writing there, I got an interview with Frank Nilakina, you know, just like a 15 minute thing over the phone, which was kind of my first moment of, you know, where I felt like, oh shit, you know, I'm actually a real writer. It feels like. And since then, you know, we built it up, built it up. We got credentials for the Knicks. So, um, kind of like I bounced around a little bit, didn't have everything, you know, all my ducks in a row at all times, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just weird because it's almost like, you know, other than driving a truck for a few years in the middle there, it's like everything was always centered around basketball for me, which, uh, you know, like, I, like I said to you guys, you know, that's, it's always been my number one basketball has always been, you know, top dog for me in terms of basically anything going on in my life, you know, like watching the NBA, you know, keeping up with that, you know, when I was in high school playing all the time, you know, it's just, for my entire life, basically, that's been, you know, it just in my DNA. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it definitely shows, you know, the passion comes through in the writing and, and obviously the work ethic that you have. I mean, I think if you look at like the three of us, I think you have to be a little crazy about basketball to be like talking on a Slack channel at like Friday night, Saturday yeah. night when a lot of people are out and, you know, we're sitting there talking yeah. about Julius Randle ISOing into like, uh, you know, a double team. You know what I mean? So um, it definitely comes through for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. let, me, let me let me pass the baton over over to my man Chip here because I know he's got some questions for you as well. Sure. Thanks. Uh yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Frank interview, man, because uh, that leads into what I wanted to ask you. For people who don't know, Danny's been actually covering the Knicks at the Garden, like going to the game and actually talking to the players and everything. And I just wanted to ask you uh, what like that experience has been like, like just being at the Garden and being in the locker room with the players. And I know that's a, kind of a relatively new experience for you, but what's that been like? Um, I mean, you can imagine it was intimidating at first because, you know, for me, I didn't go to school for, you know, for journalism, you know, I kind of didn't have that background so much. I mean, by the time I got credentials, I was, you know, kind of up on things. I I was, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't like out of my element necessarily, but you know, that first time you're in there and you're asking a question to the head coach of the Knicks, you know, you're, you're intimidated. You got, you know, all these professional beat writers around you. It's like, it's definitely, it was a tough thing to kind of get into. And, you know, my heart was probably beaten out of my chest the first question I asked, but you know, as time goes on, you get a little more comfortable. I mean, there's still like a ton of things like I, have to learn I still like realize there's a lot of things like I don't like asking the right questions you know kind of figuring out how to like weasel my way into scrums to like you know get get the right you know 
get somebody's attention, things like that. There's still like a lot of like little nuanced things that I'm still working on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been fun. And for the most part, you know, it was intimidating and everything like that, but you know, these guys are professionals. I mean, you know, Fizdale was the coach when I first started Fizdale is actually, you know, just in terms of like me, a young guy asking him a question about, you know, they got blown out and I asked him a question, you know, about whatever. And he, you know, gives me the time of day and like, gives me a good thoughtful answer. Things like that go like a long way towards like building up confidence um, you know, like that's one, just a general thing I can remember, but I also had a, you know, I asked a question to Ben Simmons this year, uh, about, you know, something about like how he's undefeated against the Knicks and it got like a really good story, like just quick little thing about his grandfather out from him like that, you know, I put it in a story. So it's oh, like little yeah. things like, yeah, little things like that, like will really like build up your confidence and you got to kind of like, you know keep that in the front of your mind because i i've asked a lot of stupid questions where like guys will look at me sideways like what are you talking about <laughs> i realized like oh that was like i i didn't phrase that the way i wanted to or like i could have been better so it's like i don't know it's almost like when you're golfing like you, at the end of the day you got to have like that you know that like beautiful like shot like right you know three feet from the hole on a par three you got to remember that one as opposed to you know the 15 shanks you had to kind of keep your uh keep your confidence up a little bit you have to have a short memory like in yeah. golf it's hard yeah, to have exactly. in golf yeah, I'm, I'm a terrible golfer too i'm, I'm, I'm there i'm there for the too. beers pretty much at this point that, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. where my that's where my score is at this point so yep i play a couple times a year like just with my family like we play like on like the anniversary of my grandfather like around when my grandfather died we all go out and play in the Poconos. That's pretty much the only time we play. And we all play, and we invite my uncle because he's like the worst fucking golfer in the world. <laughs> so he makes us look good. Like when he hits the ball off the tee, he literally like he crouches down all the way. It's the worst swing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, but, that's, I'm that same yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. But I didn't know you you didn't major in journalism, dude. No, I, I went for uh, for education. I was uh, oh, social, sure. social studies education. So, um, yeah, the, the way Oneonta didn't have a ton of journalism classes, and even at that point, mm -hmm. I wasn't um, – you know, they probably had a couple of the basic ones, and at that point, I didn't even realize it was something, you know, I was going to be doing down the road. Um, so a lot of this stuff has been self-taught, uh, but uh, most of – I would say most of what I know – has been, you know, from Robbie Sabo, the, you know, the founder of Elite Sports mm -hmm. NY. Obviously, you guys know him, but for the listeners, um, you know, he's he's the en the engine that makes kind of this whole thing go. And he's, you know, kind of taken me under his wing and, you know, helped me so much uh, to kind of grow as a writer and, you know, just a person in general. Um, he's been he's been huge for helping me kind of you know, get over some of this, like, Hey, I'm not a journalist. I don't know what I'm doing. Like that, like lack of confidence you can have. He's always there to kind of, you know, no, listen, you know what you're doing. You, you've got this, like, you know, kind of like keep me in check almost. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he's, Son. he's definitely like, he's, he's really smart guy. Yeah. No, he is. I mean, you can tell he's he's got great knowledge and his work ethic is ridiculous. I mean, like some of the messages yeah. I get at like two, three in the morning, I'm like, dude, how how do you even do this, man? But uh, he's yeah. the man. He's the man for sure. Mm -hmm. I've been there for like almost five years now. So I remember like when 
the Knicks team, the Knicks team was just me and him. It's crazy to think of like, it's crazy to think that someone is actually at Madison Square Garden writing about the Knicks for our site. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, another question, and I know it's kind of corny to ask this, but I did want to ask you like, because uh, I know regardless of what we say, every single basketball blogger, writer, whatever you want to say, has been influenced by another blogger or writer. So is there any like particular person who's influenced you in the way you write? Um, I would say that's a, that's a tough one because I like my answer I know is like kind of the, uh, the, the answer to that, like 95% of NBA, like bloggers and writers will say, but Zach Lowe, Kind of, yeah, I've been reading guy. him. Yeah. yeah, I've been reading him for <laughs> yeah. so long. He's definitely up there. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of people now who I, I kind of follow along. I try and more so than like following one person necessarily. I try and like keep up with like different kind of like beat reporters to just kind of see like the way they craft their stories, like the, you know, the angles they take after like, you know, when they're writing a post game column, things like that. I try and like jump around a little bit and not so much, you know, like people on the Knicks beat. Cause I kind of, you know, I want to like form my own opinion as opposed to, you know, reading everyone on the Knicks beat and like just, you know, maybe subconsciously parroting, you know, what someone else is, is saying. Um, so like things like, you know, I'll, I'll read the athletic a bunch of times and stuff like that. Um, you know, the, the ringer has a bunch like Kevin O'Connor is another Kevin guy. Yeah, he's, he's, Kevin yeah, he's, he's amazing. Oh, he's yeah. another guy who's up there, you know, for me. Um, but yeah, I guess if, if there was somebody on the Knicks beat, I would say Mike Vorkanov is probably up yeah. there. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a, he's a really good guy. He's, you know, always treated me well at the games. He's a, you know, fantastic dude. Who's, you know, great writer too. I don't want to, you know, make that the footnote. I mean, his, mm-hmm. his recent, you know, uh, Mike Miller piece was fantastic. So yeah. I think, you know, if you're asking one person specifically, probably Zach Lowe, but, um, I try and I try not to like hone in too much on one person just cause I like, I'm a, I don't know. I feel like people who like are in radio always say they don't want to listen to other people cause they're afraid, like they're just going to turn into like, you know, echoing whatever they're hearing. Yeah. So I, I try and bounce around a little bit if, if I can. Yeah. It's like uh, stand up comics, like Jim Norton, mm-hmm. a stand up comic. He said he never listens to anybody else's uh, comedy because he doesn't want to like get caught up in their bits or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I get that. Like you want to, like when I read, I don't want to just read like Ian Begley's stuff, even though he's amazing. Like I don't want to just read, and I know wh- why you read. I think it's good that you read other teams' beat reporters too, because you want to read about other teams. It's important. So I think that's a good strategy to have. And also, shout out to Jonathan Macri from Nick's Film School. Yeah. Oh read, yeah. I do read his. I do read the Nick's Film School newsletter every morning. Yeah, um, friend, a yeah, friend of great. the, uh, a friend of yeah. all, all the ESNY shows. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was just oh, yeah. gonna say that. And former and started out at ESMY actually mm-hmm. too. Yeah, we had him first before he became like one of the top Knicks content guys out there. Yeah. We had him. On, we had him on the come up, and you know, now <laughs> he's with uh, he's he's with SI. So I yeah. see him down at the game sometimes. Yeah, um, he is right. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of good people there from SI. You know him, um, Alex, Alex, Wolf, right? Hosting and toasting. Yeah. Uh, Lauren Russell, who actually does some stuff with us. I know she's done some uh, 
some video stuff with uh, the Liberty for us. She's down there with them. So there's, there's like, you know, it, like there's obviously on the Knicks beat, there's like the, you know, the, the legacy writers, you know, what you, the post Newsday, you know, you got Berman Popper, you know, you got all these great writers there. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's a kind of, I don't want to call it new generation, but like, you know, the, the young, kind of like SI's bringing in some different writers, you know, I'm there, you know, I'm kind of, you know, obviously elite sports and is not, not the same, you know, as Newsday or the post or, you know, NJ.com, all those stuff. So it's nice to see, you know, the Knicks, they have some diversity there. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, SI, I mean, SI had to bring in a bunch of new people. I mean, they had the big changes there. So I, it's not surprising they made a brought in a bunch of younger writers to try and change things. But, uh, one more question I did want to ask you, uh, is there any like particular article or piece that you're more proud of than anything else? And does it have to do with Frank DeLaquina? I assume <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's actually a really good, uh, a really good guess because I think, I, I don't know if I would narrow it down to one piece out of the Frank stuff, but like, uh, when I was doing kind of the, uh, the FIBA stuff over the summer, that was actually kind of like a lot of fun for me. I, I don't know if I'd pick one out of all those, but you know, for me, when I first started writing about the Knicks, you know, that was Frank's rookie year. That was, you know, I, he was the first guy I interviewed. So I've always kind of like, you know, paid special attention to Frank and also, you know, I'm high on him. I think he's a, going to be a good player so i've always kind of like been you know very interested in what frank's doing and then during fiba you know when he had that kind of that really good run there it you know everything kind of came together i was writing stuff i was getting a lot of good feedback from people and that was just doing that over the summer was a lot of fun you guys know i like the international stuff too um so it kind of like i got a little bit of you know everything that i that i enjoy about basketball um but actually i it just popped in my head. But the one I will say, I wrote something about Joe Harris last year, kind of like maybe oh, the right. first, first week of the season. And I, I, there's two, two reasons why I, I remember this one. One is selfish because I said, Joe Harris will be one of the best shooters in the league. And that happened. So like that, I always, I'm like, I don't always get my predictions right, but that one is one I'll always hold up. Um, but the other one is you guys know, Matt Brooks, who I co-host clean sweep uh, Nets podcast with, he let, he brings that up like all the time to me. He, he, <laughs> it's whenever we're talking about, you know, things we wrote, he almost like, he, it seems like he always is, is saying, Oh, you know, Danny's like Joe Harris article like that, like was one of the things that inspired me to write this piece. And I'm always like, it's too kind. He's too kind, but, uh, I always enjoy it's, uh, it's cool to hear him. Cause you know, now he's, He's a stud writer now. He's, oh my god! You know, yeah, he's one of these. Uh, he's blown up. We, we talk about you know, yeah, a guy like Macri who is you know on the come up. That's I think Brooks is in the same you know the same kind of uh, class there. He's a fantastic writer, and to hear him say you know like oh that article that you wrote inspired me to do you know something else always makes me feel good about that. So that's one I always uh, I always kind of remember. Um, and I think. I was going to finish up here with a couple more. Um, listen, man, it, it's it's a grind, especially when you're covering a team um, as often as you do. So uh, w in terms of work ethic, like what pushes you? You know, what, what kind of inspires you? Obviously, you have goals for yourself uh, and your writing, but 
what what do you kind of um, whether it's how you schedule your day or organize yourself, but what what kind of do you go through in terms of um, trying to figure out when you get up in the morning, like there's a certain amount of work or a certain amount of articles that you want to get done. Obviously, it can vary depending on what type of a news day it actually is. Um, but how do you kind of schedule and, uh, you know, kind of just structure yourself so you know that, listen, I'm, I'm getting what I need to get done today on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, things like that. Uh, I think I just got, well, one of the things that like kind of pushes me to, you know, my work ethic, I guess, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm the hardest worker ever, but just, you know, the fact that we talked about Robbie, how hard he works to kind of improve everything about ESNY. That's one of the things, you know, that pushes me seeing him work that hard. Uh, but I guess in terms of like a normal day, like trying to, trying to push out articles and, and write stuff, it's just for me that right now it's a balance of kind of balancing, you know, the duties of, you know, editing like things for, you know, our Mets, Yankees, you know, all of our other coverage. It's kind of trying to, you know, find that balance between making sure I'm writing about the Knicks, I'm keeping up with my stuff there, you know, I'm getting my stuff done and making sure everything else on the site is kind of running smoothly. Uh, when I, when I go into games, I kind of put the rest of the site on the back burner just a little bit. Cause you know, when you're there, you got to focus, you got to do your thing. Um, but for me, it's basically just, um, I want to make sure like every time I go to a game, I want to make sure I get, you know, a couple pieces of content out of it, you know, whether that's quotes from, you know, the other team or, you know, that's, you know, I read a feature about, you know, one guy saying, you know, Randall has a good game. I write a feature about him and then maybe picking up on something Miller said in the post game about, you know, the point guard situation for me, like it's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly, you know, deadlines and, you know, standards I want to hit. It's more about kind of just figuring out like, okay, this, this stuff is going to be good. Like, for example, when the Wizards were there, like Gary Payton had a big game yeah. and, you know, all the Wizards talked about him, you know, uh, Scott Brooks talked about him. And I was like, you know what, I probably don't have time, you know, to write this, you know, without, you know, making myself a little crazy. But I'm thinking, you know, this is a really good story. I got to take advantage of it. So it's really about, you know, for me, figuring out what is interesting, what is important from the games, and then just trying to fit in as much of it as I can. Okay. And that's kind of a good transition here too, because Gary Payton, obviously the bloodline there, the glove, probably one of the most interesting personalities in the sport as well as just one of the best point guards out there, especially on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. But the last one I wanted to hit you with is um, if you could pick three basketball personalities, whether current or past, that make up kind of who you are today, whether it be as a writer or as an athlete. Um, and, and take your time. If you need it, if you need no, a couple a seconds, go for it. But I, but I'm interested to see what you would come up with. Mm, that's a good one. I, I think Gary Payton's a good one. Uh, I don't, I think I'd probably go more like Patrick Beverly than Gary Payton. Cause when I was in high school, I was, I was kind I was like, more of like a defensive specialist than anything else like the opposing team's best guard or wing that was basically my matchup and you know whatever we got on offense from me was gravy so I was kind of like that Pat Beverly I guarded a lot of guys who had some size on me but you know I was just kind of a little pest and things like that um, definitely had a little bit of an attitude uh, on the court so Patrick Beverly I'd say was definitely uh, definitely one of those guys there I'm trying to think who else um, 
I guess I, I'll throw I'll throw Joe Kim Noah in there a little bit because I could be he like I mean at least back then you know I was when I was a huge Florida fan I loved how you know he was just like troll the other team yeah. and like he do he do all this <laughs> stuff like he he would you know clap you know clap after his free throw he everything he did seemed to be like antagonizing the other team and the other uh, the other like fans and stuff and I, I don't want to get like too deep into uh, like a high school. Uh, like high school old glory story, but in the actually my last game playing high school basketball, we lost to White Plains in overtime, and I fouled out, which sucked. So it was it was a bad way to end my career. But in overtime, we were I want to say we were down two with about two minutes left, and I I hit a three, and they had a big crowd who was like chanting Justin Bieber. Every time I got uh, the- wow, if you saw pictures, I had like long hair, like the bangs and everything. It was all over the place. So like everywhere I, I went, the, the crowd would be like going crazy at me just because I was like an easy target just for the hair, I guess. Yeah. So they're chanting Justin Bieber. I hit the three and I'm running down the court and I just like look up in the crowd and just like point it up to them. And all this, like I just saw like all their faces like immediately turn red and like everyone start yelling and going crazy and i just turned around and like got back on defense and my heart was pounding like 10 you know just like a million times a minute so like kind of that like little antagonistic personality part of my side uh i definitely say joakim noah's in there um and then the third one i don't i don't know who the third one would be i think noah and beverly is definitely definitely a good two for me because it's, it's almost like you kind of have to balance it out at this point. Because both of those guys, I mean, they're amazing def- defenders, but they're both kind of irritants. They'll get under your skin, like they'll dive on the floor for anything. So is there any other part of your game or personality that, that maybe maybe you have a guy that's like maybe a little irrationally confident or something like that? Like I feel like if you're a ball player, you kind of have to have a little bit of that in me. I know I do, you know, even when I'm playing freaking New York Urban whatever you know if it, i hit two threes yeah, yeah, i hit two threes yeah. and all of a sudden i think i'm curry out there like i'm just <laughs> you have to have that irrational confidence like every time you step on the floor you have to think you know like that you, i always i always think of it this way you have to like in your head no matter who you're playing against just make up something even if you're lying to yourself right. about why you're gonna beat them you know like yeah. oh this guy yeah oh he maybe he's like he plays d2 but he's trash like like if you're playing pickup against someone you gotta like just get that irrational confidence and uh now that i'm thinking about it i don't know if tony parker exactly fits that mold but i i'll use my third guy on tony parker just because i was like i was more of a streaky shooter from the outside like i had some you know some months when i was playing in high school and i was actually you know a competitive basketball player where i'd shoot the lights out but for the most part like on varsity i didn't shoot that great i was more of like kind of like a penetrator like dishing and trying to get to the rim even though i was a little undersized so i guess i'd throw tony parker in there um just for that tony reason alone. parker's irrational i thought you were gonna say no, like no. Deion waiter i thought you were or like, like or like Deion nick waiter. or like nick young or something I'm like pivot, that I'm, yeah I'm, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm pivoting away from the irrational confidence a little bit because okay, i don't want yeah. i don't want to i don't want it to make it seem like i was just like big badass in high school yeah. like, I, like okay. I would show up i would show up in the gym and guys would be like oh that's you know that's the guy who's like really confident or whatever because i think it was more <laughs> for me it was like just we played in Rockland. There was like actually a bunch of like good fans, like uh, teams that would show up, like and show out for games. 
and like I said, I had that long hair. Like I was, you know, Justin Bieber. I, I looked like I was 12. So I was always like the target of, you know, whatever the opposing fan base was. And also I like a lot, I had a lot of friends like throughout the County. So like when we played Pearl river, all my friends would be like, Oh, like let's, you know, go after Danny. Cause you know, he's uh-huh. our boy. Yeah. So like, that's how I think famous I was, though every white kid with bangs oh a thousand percent for a time yeah (laughs) i I will say this i had i before justin bieber was even just like before anyone even knew who he was i had that hairstyle so like it wasn't like i was just it didn't matter yeah it it didn't matter i guess luckily like when i would get going on the court and just like start sweating it like get like a little curlier so it wasn't like that exact like perfect quaff that he had Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I still got, I still, I still heard it wherever I went pretty much. I, uh, I mean, listen at the schools where I work at now, I'll get called Justin Bieber by some of the kids. So it's just like, it's just part of the territory. That's funny as hell. But, (laughs) but, um, but those are, but those are good stories for sure. Um, we're, we're at about like the 30 minute mark here. Um, but I wanted to see kind of, you know, just between the three of us, any just kind of general NBA topics that we kind of wanted to touch on? Obviously, there was some Anthony Davis stuff today. Um, I'm very interested in in the Nets and kind of their status, and, and they've been kind of falling off a little bit. But um, even as a Knicks fan, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a little jealous of the Nets, to be honest. I mean, they got, I, I do like what they have there. I like what they have in the coaching staff. I know their fans are probably a little, uh, you know, uh, you know, freaking out a little bit, but I, I think generally, you know, barring injuries to their top guns later on down the line, I mean, I think they're they're set up pretty good. But I don't know, you guys, anything NBA just general wise that you've uh, seen that you want to kind of touch on for a little bit? I think the Nets, the Nets are kind of a, a relative. Like, I think one of the weird things that about the Nets that I've noticed over the last few days is kind of like seems like there's all this pushback because I follow a lot of Knicks people and Nets people on Twitter, you know, for obvious reasons. It seems like there's a lot of pushback from my Knicks followers about like, oh, no one's scrutinizing the Nets at all. Like no one's scrutinizing them for, you know, the the training staff and all this stuff. But it almost feels like, you know, enough people are saying no one's scrutinizing them them now that it look it's almost like, okay, now they're being scrutinized because people have said it long enough. Um, And it's just, it's weird. Like all this, like, Oh, if if this was happening to the Knicks, like, could you imagine the media narrative? And to me, you're probably right. The media narrative would, you know, people would be hammering the Knicks if you know roles were reversed. But at the same time, Nick, I think Knicks fans would be like defending the fact that you know they're 16 and 19. They're in, technically in the, you know, they're the seventh seed or whatever they are now. Like, I think Knicks fans would be would be okay with with kind of what the Nets have right now. They played above their heads for, you know, for almost a month without Levert, Irving, and you know, you don't even have to mention Durant. But they played above their heads for a long time without those guys, and now you're kind of seeing them come back down to earth. Yeah, I yeah, think teams have watched enough. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. My bad, Chip. Go, go, go. Oh, no, I was just gonna say teams have watched enough of a one-man Spencer Dinwiddie team, mm-hmm. and now they're doing things to uh, bottle up Spencer Dinwiddie. And I mean, he's look. Spencer Dinwiddie's a really, really good player, but he can't. He's not LeBron James. He can't do it all on his own. So, and I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. The Nets have. 
the worst point differential in the NBA over the last two weeks. I mean, they've been awful. Worst offense in the NBA. Uh, and ironically, their defense is top 10 over the last two weeks, which has been a disaster weird, yeah. for most of the season. It's just weird. Really weird. <laughs> but the fact they put up, what, an 80 spot against the Magic? 89, I mean, that, yeah. Oof. And, I mean, look, the Magic defense <coughs> is really, really good. But uh, they, they should have beat the Magic without – Jonathan Isaac, who's the greatest defender of all time. (laughs) Yes, Chip. (laughs) Chip stands all day, every day. (laughs) But I that that's a game they really needed to win because now they're going up against Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City's probably the hottest team in the NBA right now, outside of Milwaukee, and they're going to lose that game. Uh, So, and they're on a six-game losing streak. Probably going to be seven after the OKC game. Uh, they're free falling. I even tweeted out today: Is Kenny going to be on the hot seat uh, if they keep losing? And I was promptly told no by <laughs> by ne- the, the uh, Nets fans that I follow on Twitter. But uh, look, I I get it. We're, you're waiting for Kyrie Irving to come back and Karis LeVert to come back. But are we sure Kyrie Irving's coming back? He's so fucking weird. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. And he did that press conference. I, I don't know, man. He's He only played 11 games. He's Like I said, he's weird. He may just say, forget it, and I may not come back till next year. I don't know. I, I don't know. I like Karis LeVert a lot. I think he's going to help coming back. So I think when he gets fully healthy, I think Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, Harris, I think that's enough to get them to the playoffs in the East. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie misses the whole season. Uh, I don't think he cares about media narratives quite like Kevin Durant does, or uh, media criticism. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I I'd, I'd be a little more concerned about the Nets uh, if I were a Nets fan than it seems like Nets fans are because they're all. I think the sentiment seems to be like I don't. We'll wait till Kyrie comes back, but they didn't look so great when Kyrie was playing. I know it was a small sample size, but still. Uh, but anyway, what I really wanted to talk about, because we talk about the Knicks and Nets all the time, true. I want to talk about Kevin Love. Oh. <laughs> I've never seen that. Did you guys see the video? Yeah, of, of course. Throwing the ball like that? I've never seen anything like that. He blows up at the GM. He, uh, he refuses to play defense, throws the pass like that to Chetty Osman, whatever it was. Uh, screams at John Beeline on the sidelines. I mean, and everybody was making the same argument on Twitter, which is the easy one to make and the right one. You signed a max deal with a shit team with the Cavs after LeBron left. What did you think was going to happen? Did you think you were going to be good? Like, what? what's he so... I don't know what he's so upset about. Do you guys have any idea why he might be pissed off? I don't get the whole thing. Ke- Do you guys Ke- have any thoughts on it? I have no clue. Kevin Love is uh, just going through it, man. I, I mean, he yeah. is... Um, I mean... Uh... I'm, it's weird. Like I, I'm, I'm ambivalent about it, to be honest. I mean, I, I totally get anyone who wants to have the opinion of, listen, this guy is a multimillionaire, uh, has more money than he knows what to do with it, um, you know, and and shouldn't be acting that way. And and I agree, he shouldn't. At the end of the day, like as much as I think that 
the the line is blurred and and the definition of what is a professional and how should a professional act can be um i think he he obviously and he came out at least today or or recently and said mm-hmm. that he needs to be better and he and he loves his teammates and whatnot um i just don't know what's going on behind closed doors i don't know see my thing is if 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 he's already made this abundantly clear that he wants to be traded and um you know he feels like they're not making headway on it. I mean, on the other hand, dude, his his contract is not exactly going to be easy to move. Exactly. I mean, like, exactly. How do we know they aren't really trying and no one's biting on the offer? Right. right? I mean, I think that's something to to um, consider heavily as well. Um, I I do on on the one hand feel bad for Love. I'm, I don't want to paint him out here to to be like this, um, you know, victim or anything like that. But I guess there is a part of me that can empathize, empathize with somebody who's a vet, um, has had success, and is now literally at the bottom of the NBA, and probably you know on the later half of his career, and you know probably you know obviously wants to play winning basketball. And but I mean, <laughs> I guess I don't know. I keep going back and forth here, but I'm not really sure what he thought when he signed the contract. Exactly. Would would happen? Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, know, Danny. What do you think? I, I mean, I, I this is a like stupid analysis, but that like that video of him like catching the pass from Sexton and just whipping it at Osman just blew my mind. Oh, like, completely. It's like, like what you what you see like at twenty four hour fitness, like yeah, with, like, random yeah. people. Like, it's not you don't see that like at you know in an that NBA was in game. an NBA game. Yeah, <laughs> just like. You can see he's pissed, so you see him going to get the ball, and then you know, I mean, Kevin Love might be one of the best at you know throwing outlet passes in the league. He can throw these you know these full length core passes on a dime, and he just whips it as hard as he can at Osman. I mean, it's I'm I'm with you guys. It's just a weird situation. I don't know how they fix it because it, you know it seems like one of the teams that he kind of wants to go to and that you know might have interest in him would be the maybe the trailblazers but how do you again how do they make the money work it's his contract is going to be tough to trade um yeah so that's a weird that's a weird situation and like i don't know what the Cavs are doing either because they have kind of they have this new coach who's trying to put you know his imprint on the organization but it doesn't sound like beeline's first year is going over all that well you know, they got these two, you know, young guards. I, it's just a weird, weird situation in Cleveland right now. It is. I mean, and you also have Thompson who's still there. Um, I mean, I, I just don't know what what the core is going to look like. I, I'll say this. I had a friend, you know, when we were, um, I mean, as a Knicks fan, we're both Knicks fans, me and my friends. So, you know, right before we drafted Barrett, my friend was like, you know what, man? He was like... I don't know, man, this kid Garland might be serious. He was like, you know, he's a dead-eye shooter. He's very smooth with the ball, things like that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't paid a lot of attention to him this year. Um, but I'm just interested to see how him and Sexton is is going to work going forward, if at all, or if they just move on from one of them. And then they also have Kevin Porter Jr., who has flashed definitely some offensive skills mm-hmm. for sure, but he clearly needs to mature. He clearly needs to – I mean, he's young, right? Like, he had some issues at USC. Um, I just I just don't know what, what their core is, um, is really going to look like. 
And I don't mind the, the beeline hire because if you're going to have these young kids and you want somebody who's, um, whether it's analytically sound or, in, or is used to working with young kids and obviously knows how to grow a program, and, and clearly Beeline did that at Michigan. You know, Beeline's not a bad hire, but, you know, then you have Thompson there and Love there, and, and um, it's just it's just half and half in terms of, like, team-building philosophies, and I, I don't know how much longer um, that's going to work. Interestingly enough, not to go heavy Knicks here, but I would say at least um, – whatever games were 36 games in the fact that there hasn't been a mutiny between these vets and these young kids, I think does give a little bit of, of positive press towards, um, Nick's coaching, whether, whether you want to throw that towards Fizz or Miller or the front office, um, you know, with, with some tweets, with some negative tweets here and there, but for the most part, I think it's been a pretty positive, um, team chemistry, at least off the floor that you don't see this stuff happening. And maybe that's a low bar, but I mean, I will say, I think that's pretty good for the most part. Yeah. I think just throwing my two cents in there, <clears throat> like, you know, I'm not, I'm not Bagley. I'm not Berman. I don't, I'm not, you know, or you know, uh, uh, which one call Woj or anything like that. I'm not breaking, you know, inside sources and news like that, but just my general feel in the locker room is that it's a relatively tight knit group there. You know, it's you, I think Marcus Morris is a very good leader. I think the young guys really respect him a lot. I think Randall, you know, he's obviously a little younger than, you know, some of the other vets on the team, but I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, you know, just talking off the court, you know, he's, he's always willing to, you know, be the first guy to answer questions in the locker room. You know, he's always the guy who's, you know, this is on me that I, I need to be better. I think they've got some good, you know, vet leadership. And then you throw in a guy like, you know, I'm bringing it back to my guy, Frank, but like Frank Nilakina has never, you know, said a bad thing about one of his teammates, even DNPs, you know, through everything. Yep. He's always, you know, this is team, team, team. I think they have, you know, some good young guys. Barrett, you like everything you hear him say. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's great. And then, you know, the funniest guy on the team, Mitch, he can sometimes, you know, say things that make you scratch your head, but I don't think he's, a, you know, I, I don't think it's ever like him being, you know, calling out a teammate or right. anything like that. I think Mitch is just a goofy, you know, goofy kid. Yeah. Um, so I think they have, they have a lot of, uh, you know, a good, a lot of good guys in that locker room. Then you throw in, you know, Taj Gibson, Wayne Ellington, you know, there's, I think they, if you want to bash the Knicks, there's a lot of things to bash them for. But I think like in terms of, you know, the character of the guys in the, in the locker room right now is pretty high. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that for sure. Chip, what do you think? We think we got one more in us or, or how do you feel? I think, I, I think, uh, hold on once I just, <laughs> I just X'd out of, uh, cleaning the glass. Sorry, I was looking at the, no, no, no. I was looking at the all-star contest oh wait so jaws in the dunk contest right and dwight howard dwight howard's in there now yeah and uh d rose is in the skills skills. i know that and uh did trey young accept or is he he's not accepted he's like thinking about it right but i know dwight howard and uh derrick white derrick rose oh wow Derrick Rose are going back to All-Star Weekend, and Luca and Trey Young were both invited to participate in a three-point contest. So hopefully they do it. And uh, 
Devontae Graham was also invited to do it, so it would be awesome wow. if those guys were in it. I'll throw yeah. I'll throw one last thing out here. We'll get we'll get Danny out on this. I saw this on Twitter today, and I don't know how I feel about it. Um, someone someone said on Twitter, you guys probably saw it maybe, but someone said Trey Young is point guard Whiteside basically. And oh fuck off! I know. So that's that's how I felt. That's yeah, how I felt. I'm, I'm but so, but so, but what do you guys say to the people out there that that pretty much equivalent, you know, you know, pretty much say that Trey Young is is Devin Booker empty stats and Booker's actually, you know, I mean, the Suns started off hot, they they've come down a little bit, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, there's so much, there's always so much debate about what scoring is efficient and what scoring leads to winning, and I just don't know that you can really evaluate young in that way unless he until he gets an actual winning team around him and and players but i mean it listen and you guys can tell me if i'm off but dude to me trey young is box office like i like that kid that dude does things from from a passing standpoint with his vision and the way he manipulates defenders that i think is super elite for his age he's got endless range obviously he can't guard a chair but, you know, I mean, the guy is special to me. What do you guys think? Well, I, I, I was there. I mean, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split the difference here just because, like, I'm, I'm going to be a fence sitter for a second. But, uh, like, I don't want to put too – like, say, oh, he's empty stats and everything because, you know, Atlanta, they're just so bad defensively. Right. Like, they, you know, they're still a young team. I don't – I'm not going to sit here and, you know, hammer Trey Young too hard for his team being bad because, you know, he's in his second year. What's he – you know, 21 years old. So he's young, but, um, you know, in terms of like empty stats, I was there when the Knicks absolutely whooped up on them in the garden and, you know, he had 42 points, eight assists. He was great. You know, seven for 13 from deep. He was, he was phenomenal. Like you can't take away, you know, his play on the floor, but I mean, he played 42 minutes. He was playing in garbage time, you know, putting up shots. I'm not blaming him for that because if I was in his situation, I'd probably want to do the same thing, play a lot, you know, get, get my stats up. You know, I, I'd be doing the same thing as him, but I think there's definitely a, you know, his stats might be a little inflated just by the fact that, you know, he's being, he's being asked to do so much offensively. Right. Chip, what do you think? Yeah, I think that, and also, um, Danny, his, uh, he's being asked to do so much. He's taking so many shots. His usage is astronomical. And who else is going to put the ball in the basket on that? Right. That, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's they. They don't have. I mean, they don't even have a backup point guard, really. Yeah, and to the Devin Booker thing, I mean, Devin Booker always gets knocked. And I'm a big analytics guy, big stats guy, and there's certain people who like to knock Devin Booker and say that, like, oh, the team is better. The team. Uh, he always has a negative net rating, and that's what they're saying about Trey Young, right? He's the team is like has a huge negative when he's on the court. And the argument is always, like, the argument should be easily. It's just the team is terrible. Right. Of course they're going to be awful when he's on the court. Right. There's nothing he could do. I mean, these guys are great players, Booker and Young. And, look, you also need to look at the numbers when they come off the court and look at how much worse they are when those guys come off the court because they get even worse. They score even less. Um, and yeah, Trey Young's never going to be able to guard his own shadow because he's just so small and he 
mostly he doesn't even try. When Danny mentioned when they got blown out by the Knicks, he wasn't even. No, he wasn't. That's one of. The, I was at that game yeah, too. He wasn't he even was, trying he to get over try. He was just like ah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. he was. I, he was. He was like a couple turnovers, maybe yeah. not necessarily his, but you know, not even trying to run down the court. And yeah, and again, again I don't want to hammer a twenty-one-year-old that bad. No, no, no. Like I, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's noticeable. I yeah, mean, you know, and hey, they're he's in a tough situation trying to make but the best th- of it. There was that thing that Sham. I think Sham's put it out. Uh, mm-hmm. He had like the issue with the the coach or whatever, and uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons they're looking to get like Drummond or something, or just get him some help because he just mm-hmm. he doesn't have any help. And now with Collins with the suspension, he doesn't have any help. So. I think people are really underrating John Collins, by the way. That dude can play. Oh, no, he definitely but, can. Yeah. But, yeah, but he's he's another guy who's not – I mean, he's better defender than Trey Young, but the two – you know, if those two are your yeah. two best guys, your your D is going to be going to be lacking. True. Oh, yeah, he's not a – he's not like a, a second best player on a team, but he's a really good player. Um, but, yeah, he just – he needs help, and uh, I, I understand why they're going after Drummond. I don't think it's a horrible move. For them, I don't think it's a horrible move. And by the way, I'm, I'm sorry, totally spaced on this. I saw the, I don't know if you saw the Blake Griffin news today. Oh. Did you guys see that? He's he's done. He's out indefinitely. He's getting knee surgery. Wow, no. Yeah. That's a team that made some bad decisions over the years. A bunch of them. I try, somebody, trying to go Scotty, Scotty Pippen said on the jump today, you got to take your hats off to the Clippers because they saw this coming. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And I mean, they... That trade, that Blake Griffin trade, they turned him into SGA, which turned into Paul George. I mean, yeah. one of the one of the smartest trades maybe in NBA history. That Blake Griffin trade, it's got to be up there. If they get a if they yeah. get a final out of it, that's going to go up there as one of the best ever. Mm, so sure. I feel bad for Blake Griffin though, because he looked awesome last year. He really did look good. Such a but now Drummond's definitely going to get traded. I figure. So. Yeah, he's such a skilled dude at at his size oh, and. So good. Just, so uh, I mean, to to go to the point where I think he was like top three in the MVP vote, MVP voting, um, a while back to now, man. Honestly, it's just sad. Um, Sucks. But uh, I think I think that'll that'll do it for us. Danny has to drop a thirty piece in his uh, in his reckoning tonight. So, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, so I'm Let's excited see. to excited to hear about that. But uh, honestly, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, love your writing. Uh, definitely appreciate you coming on the pod for sure. All the work you do for ESMY, and uh, we'll definitely look forward to doing this again sometime. Yeah, definitely. We got to do it again soon. I appreciate it, guys. It was uh, I had a lot of fun. I, you know, normally I'm on you know my Knicks and Nets pods. Don't get too deep into uh, my own personal stuff. So it was kind of fun to uh, rehash some of that out with you guys. That's good. That's good. All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see you soon, and uh, we'll do this again sometime.